You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews. So let's get started. Hey, hey, guys, it's Nikayla here coming to you live from right after my mini honeymoon. I know you have seen that we went through a little bit of an unexpected hiatus with everything that picked up for wedding week, but I'm back. And since we last spoke, I got married. Moyo and I tied the knot in a beautiful two day ceremony, blending our Jamaican and Nigerian cultures. And then um, in a surprising and historical turn of events, one of our videos from our traditional Nigerian ceremony actually went viral. And um, it's so funny to see ourselves become one of these memes on Instagram, but that's exactly what's happening. So, hey, we're just happy that everyone is able to share in the joy of our day and our multicultural wedding. And if you would like to see our videos and photos to see what I've been up to, of course, I posted a few on my Instagram page at Pro. And our hashtag was Okomi Ever After, so you can check that out as well. Speaking of weddings and hashtags, today's guest and the platform she created provided me with the most assistance and resources while planning my own wedding. Whether it was looking for a dress or decor examples or checking out the work of vendors I was interested in using, I would not have been able to plan my wedding without this woman and her business. Her name is Jacqueline Wobu, and she is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Munaluchi Bride Magazine, the leading nationally distributed wedding magazine catering to women of color. One thing I learned in the wedding planning process is that women of color are major contributors to the billion-dollar wedding industry, yet our presence within major bridal publications and websites is rare. Jacqueline had a vision and determination to fill this void, and today... Munaluchi is a multicultural global technology company serving the $200 billion international wedding and events industry. It caters to the growing multicultural wedding and events industry throughout the world with a vertical online marketplace connecting engaged couples to event professionals. Today on the show, we'll hear how Jacqueline and her husband launched Munaluchi with no prior experience and obtained national distribution within major retailers, including Target and Barnes & Noble. Plus, hear how she's continuing to grow the brand and what she's learned about hiring the right people. Before we chat with Jackie and speaking of hiring, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. And then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it actually finds them for you. Over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter gets a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle. Now, let's get into it. 
Welcome to the guest chair, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. The brand platform and company that you've created, Munaluchi, has single-handedly saved me in the wedding planning process. So thank you so much, first of all. You're welcome and congratulations. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you, you know, come to create this business? All right. I started Munaluchi kind of by accident. It's not something that I sat and dreamt about growing up or, you know, something that I wanted to do for a long time. It was nothing like that. It was really just out of realizing that there was a void in the wedding industry in the way our weddings were portrayed and recognizing that void and realizing that I needed to launch this. Um, I, my husband got into photography and I was his second shooter. So I would go and shoot weddings with him. And in the process of shooting all of these beautiful multicultural weddings, I realized that there really was very, very little representation of our weddings in blogs and in magazines. And so we sat down and him and I decided to go ahead and launch Munaluchi. That's the short story. Yeah, that really was the short story. <laughs> We're going to unpack that. We're going to unpeel okay. some layers. <laughs> yes, yes, let's because, do that. So when your husband decided to go into wedding photography, what were you doing at the time? Was this kind of like a side hustle for you? It was a side gig for both of us. And there's nothing like side money, you know? My husband worked as a network analyst at ADP. So, I mean, everybody knows ADP because many people's checks come from ADP. And I worked as a scientist at Johnson & Johnson. Then right around the time we got married, I moved over to a diagnostic company that does testing for autoimmune diseases and things like that. And so that is what we were doing at the time. Now, when he picked up the camera and decided, you know, he wanted to start shooting, he had always liked shooting, but he never thought he was going to do weddings till he talked to one of his friends. And his first um, wedding was his friend's wedding, and we got paid $500 for that. And from there, you know, it just kind of started to pick up. So it was a network background. And I mean, I was strictly science. I didn't do not one creative class in high school or in college. Everything was chemistry, organic chemistry, calculus, physics, all the stuff that a good Nigerian girl is supposed to do. (laughs) So I I did all of that. That was my background. And so getting into this wedding world was really an eye opener because it wasn't something that I knew anything about, but it's been an amazing journey so far. And so coming from such a technical science, traditional background, did you ever have an inkling or something that you can look back at now and say that probably influenced your entrepreneurial path? I always wanted to get into business somehow. I always loved business. I loved, you know, anything that had to do with running a business, management, that type of thing. I was not able to do that because my parents were just like, what are you going to do with a business degree? You need to go to medical school. And so all of my training was to push me towards becoming a doctor someday. I never did because I never took the MCAT, which you have to take the MCAT to get into medical school. So I was never able to actually take that journey. But I always loved business. I loved business and I loved art. Um, when I was in high school, I got accepted into an art school. But, you know, once again, <laughs> my parents <laughs> were like, uh, you will not become an artist and be broke. So, again, you need to go to the medical route. And so I had sort of like a business, you know, a business passion. And I also had a passion for art at the same time. 
Now, when you guys started this wedding photography business, what made you not continue down that path and just become the most sought out wedding photographers ever? Like, how did you truly see Munalucci as the path for you guys to go down? I, I mean, that's a great question. We we loved photography and we loved what we were doing, but we felt that filling the void was a much bigger calling and a much bigger mission than just shooting weddings. So recognizing that there wasn't the representation and understanding that it would be really, really difficult to do it was a challenge for us, you know, and we felt like this was something that we had to do. You know, when we came from the photography side, my husband would shoot and I would second shoot. So I would do like details and things like that. And I would talk to the brides. I was the one who dealt with the brides and I was the one who did their albums. So I was laying out their wedding albums. And the process of laying out a wedding album is not that much different from laying out a magazine. So when we got into the whole idea of launching Munaluchi and starting a magazine, the first thing I did was I Googled, how do you start a magazine? (laughs) And if you Google that right now, you will see all kinds of probably really good advice about how much capital you need. I mean, at least a quarter million dollars worth of capital because of how much it costs to print, you know, getting a really good website, all of that good stuff came up. And I was just like, we don't need all that, Chike. Like we could just do it ourselves. You know, what do we need all this capital for? So on and so forth. And so I used a website called lynda.com. It's L-Y-N-D-A.com, which was like everything for me. So on Lynda. I learned how to use InDesign software from scratch. And with that software, I used that to actually lay out our first magazine. And so we were able to launch partly because one, we were extremely naive about the publishing industry, which was good. And two, we had the skills in-house, you know? We had the photography, the weddings that were in our first issue were the ones we shot, of course. We had the, you know, the graphic design skill because I taught myself and, you know, the stuff I was doing didn't look half bad and we were crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so, you know, it, it really helped in that. And I think that's part of the art background that I, that I kind of had, I never really pursued, kind of came through in the graphic design and all of that stuff that I do for the magazine and that I did to get us started. So at what point did you say, Let's just do this. Like, let's do this full time. Let's make this into a complete business. Okay. Well, we, um, to go back a little bit, we were shooting all these weddings. We decided that we were going to launch this magazine, this big old, you know, wonderful magazine. Nobody could tell us anything. We started doing some research. I got some software and we started laying out our first issue. So our first photo shoot was done in the living room of our house, you know, on a couch. (laughs) We had one of our friends Um, her sister model for us. And we had no idea how to pull gowns or even what that was called. So we went to David's bridal and we begged the lady, you know, we're doing a photo shoot. Can we please just borrow a gown and we'll bring it back? And she was like, no. And so we bought, you know, a gown that was on sale, used it for, you know, our friend's sister, bought a pair of shoes, a couple pairs of shoes and did this whole photo shoot in our living room. And once we did that, we took you know, which picture we thought was our best. We put the Munaluchi on top and did like a mock-up magazine cover. And with that mock-up magazine cover, we launched the Facebook group. That's when Facebook pages weren't really huge. It was like Facebook groups was big then. So we launched the Facebook group with, you know, Munaluchi and at the magazines coming and the response was amazing. 
So we had all these people asking questions about where can we find it? When is it coming out? And Chica and I looked at each other and we're like, look, we need to figure out how to get this thing really going, you know? So that was a really big push for us. And we did, you know, did a little bit more work. Our first issue we thought would be 60 pages and from 60 pages, it went to a hundred and we settled at about 208 for our first issue. And then we found a printer because, you know, Google is my best friend. <laughs> we found a printer in Austin, Texas, and they were very, very nice to us, kind of taught me a number of things that I needed to know, you know, that most graphics designers would know, um, how to put the cover file together, how to convert your files to CMYK, so on and so forth. And we uploaded all of our files to this printer printed 10,000 copies of our first issue. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 10,000 copies of our first issue. And we had those those copies mailed to our house and we had them inside of our garage in the winter. And we didn't have a distributor. We didn't even have a plan of how to sell it because up until this point, our primary mission was to get the magazine done. That was it. We were just like, it has to come out. And then when it came out, because it was at our house, we're like, it's here. Okay, so <laughs> we did it. But you know what? Now we've got to sell it. Right. So we let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. How did you determine how many magazines you wanted to print? Because did you know, starting out, did you only want it to be physically distributed on newsstands? Or did you also have a digital distribution strategy? We had no strategy. <laughs> our strategy was to get the magazine done. And we got it done. And we had 10,000 copies because if you order more, you actually spend less per copy. I mean, that's really what that was all about. We're just like, all right, bam, here we go. This thing is going to sell like hotcakes. So we've got these magazines in our garage and we're like, all right, we're going to start selling it. We started telling people it's available. They can purchase it on our website. Um, We're going to get it on the newsstands because we thought the way you get your magazine on the newsstands is just call the stores. How hard could it possibly be? So we called Wegmans, we called ShopRite, we called Barnes and Nobles in our area. And we gave them the same spiel. Everybody, hey, we've got this great magazine. It just came out. You know, this is going to change the whole wedding industry. It's not been done before. And we would send them a copy as they requested. And they would send back to us and say, everything looks great. It's absolutely stunning. And who's your distributor? And we're like, you know, people keep asking us the same question. <laughs> like, Who's your distributor? And so we found out that when you have a publication, you have to get it on newsstands through a distributor. And there are, you know, a number of major distributors in the U.S. And so now we're looking at each other like we might have made a mistake, you know, because the right thing to do is to do some market research, do a test run, you know, put it out there, see what the response is, get your distribution on hand and get some orders in. We did everything backwards. So now we're at a point, a crossroads where we're just like, you know, what do we do with this 10,000 copies? The first thing that we thought of was we're going to go to Nigerian Day Parade because it's huge in New York and we're going to sell out. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why wouldn't anyone buy it? You know, everybody's been asking for it. So we went to the Nigerian Day Parade. We're talking this, we're, we're now at like October. So our copies came in September of 2009. Now we're around October. We go to Nigerian Day Parade and we sell 10 copies. Mm. And those 10 copies was begging, like, please, just, please <laughs> just, just buy it. Come on, just buy it. And so we came back and we re- regrouped and we said, 
okay, <laughs> that didn't work. Um, we considered uh, purchasing one of those little stores at the mall, at Cherry Hill Mall, where you know how you're walking in the mall and you have these people that kind of grab you and say, hey, I got this nail stuff. It's going to make your nails shine right, and all right. that annoying stuff. We were like, we're going to be one of those people. We're going to buy one of these little kiosks and we're going to sell the magazine. And we, then we we're like, nah, that's probably not a good idea. Because um, remember, this is still our side hustle. So we have to go to work every day and we have children to take care of that are young. So we were shooting a wedding. Oh, no. Before we get to that point, we did find the top three distributors in the country and we did fill out an application with them. And every single one of them accepted us because what happens is when you apply, they may not accept you. And if they don't accept you, you can't apply again for like six months. Hmm. So we applied, we got accepted. So this is, you know, high five moment, but we picked the distributor that we thought was good for us. They're one of the top in the country. And they told us it would probably take about six to nine months before they start getting orders in. Wow. And we, yeah. And we we're like, mm-mm. You don't even have to wait because we have all the copies in our trunk. I mean, in our garage right now. <laughs> like, you don't even have to wait for orders. We are set. Just tell us where to ship them to. And they were like, no, this is not how it works. First of all, who told you to print 10,000 copies when you don't have a distributor? Nobody does that. And so Chica and I are looking and we're just like, man, how are we going to, you know, because th the magazines have a, a timeline on them. You can't wait a whole year to bring out a magazine that has weddings from 2008. Mm -hmm. And then you're trying to bring it out in two, you know, so it was just like, all right, maybe we made a mistake. And so we went to shoot a wedding in Nigeria. We had a stopover in London. And when I say random, I mean, random as could possibly be. I'm checking my email, like, you know, everybody checks their email. And we get this email from our distributor. And she's like, hey, guys, I got some good news. I did get some orders in you know, here's the, there's a link attached and it was attached to a spreadsheet. And so I'm like, okay, well, this is good. But you know, in the back of my head, I'm still kind of like, yeah, we got a lot of copies though that we got to sell. We look at the spreadsheet. It was 9,600 copies that was ordered. Wow. How? I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't know how it happened. And was but this ordered by one like mega store, mega brand or was, numerous uh, locations? Most, most of the Barnes and Nobles in the country. Mm -hmm. It was um, Safeway. It was ShopRite. It was, you know, a number of department awesome. store, yeah, yeah. stores. And so we had 9,600 copies ordered. Unbelievable. And they came to our house, picked up the magazines from our garage. Our garage got cleaned out. And our first issue went on sale January 5th, 2010. And you know, there was nothing like going to the store, you know, to do your regular grocery shopping and go by the magazine section and seeing something you created right there, you know? So that was the point where we said, all right, it's time to do this full time because we're going to have to, you know, just get this all we've got. And so I had left my job right, right after it went on sale, I had left my job and that was my you know, my pretty much my first day um, on the job as an entrepreneur. Wow. And were you so with that with that distribution deal, you felt comfortable financially to leap out? Were you saving at that point or was the business making enough that you felt comfortable or were you just that? Um... It was it was just a, a bold move mm -hmm. because when you get, you know, onto the newsstand, you're not making money right away. You know, it takes time before that comes in. 
But for me, I felt like, you know, the buzz was so high. The momentum was high. I'm just going to take a leap. And, you know, I always said to myself, the worst thing that can happen is I just go get a job. You know, I've got a science background. There are plenty of jobs out there for me. So I never felt like, you know, it was um, it was a problem leaving to go start something when we didn't have we weren't monetizing it in that type of way. You know, I felt like in order for me to monetize the company, I need to be doing it for 100 percent. I need to give my hundred. Got it. And you mentioned when you put up that Facebook page, that initial reaction was so positive and just spread like wildfire. How did you approach marketing and building brand awareness beyond that? Did it kind of take on a life of its own or were there other strategic steps that you and your husband took? It took on a life of its own because you have to understand that as an entrepreneur, as a black entrepreneur and a black female entrepreneur, there are not too many mentors Um, there aren't, you know, too many people that can sit down and say, let me tell you the things you shouldn't do. Let me tell you the mistakes I made. You know, we kind of just jumped into this. My mom, you know, has a a master's in nursing and a PhD. My dad has a PhD in epidemiology, um, was teaching at the university. So they come from academic backgrounds. There's no entrepreneurship in my immediate family. Everything was about education, education, you know, that type of thing. So for me, you know, I just felt like um, this was what I needed to do. And the marketing for us was we really launched on social media. I mean, we launched on, on, on Facebook. That was pretty much the launch. We had a Facebook page or Facebook group pretty much before we had a website, you know, and that was, that was what we used for our marketing. We built a following organically. And did you ever or do you ever have people who think Munaluchi is just what's on social media and, and they don't know about this full. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so many people that are like, oh my gosh, you have a magazine? <laughs> I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, we do. Go to the website. But it's because our social media following is so huge and so highly engaged. And, you know, we totally understand our audience and we totally get our audience and have grown with our audience. So you know, they kind of, they know us on social media first, and then that kind of drives them in different directions. Yes. And as a social media professional by, you know, career and profession, I just have to say, I love what you guys do on Instagram. I'll just be, I'm supposed to just go on to Instagram for a second to check in. Next thing you know, I'm answering a Muna Luchi quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Question of the day. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so relevant, so timely. So, Speaking of the magazine versus social, how what are the monetization channels in your business um, be, since not everyone knows about the magazine? Well, the thing for us is our, our social media, you know, for me and for anybody who's in business, really, social media should be a way to drive traffic to your website. Absolutely. Because there's a generation that is born right now, Generation Z, and they probably won't be really crazy about Instagram by the time they're my age and your age, really. So you can't rely on just social media for your business, but you can't not pay attention to it, you know? So we have, I mean, we're doing about 500 page views a month on our website, which is not bad. You know, we don't do, um, you know, all these Google ads and things like that. Everything that we've done is just organic. And then we have our vendor platform, the Coterie which was pretty much built out of the need for 
providing a home and a family for vendors who service this multicultural market. So we have that as well. That's another monetization channel. Then, you know, like our digital magazine, we just did our summer issue and we've got over 100,000 views in the first month, you know? So we're, we're looking to do over 1.2 million by the end of the year, just on that one alone. So there's just so many ways that we branch out and monetize the brand. And was that a slow build or um, something that you could immediately get buy-in for as it, you know, getting advertisers and vendors to come on board as part of the magazine and also the Coterie? I would say it was, um, as soon as we launched the magazine, there were a lot of people who really got it. You know, it was one of those things where you don't notice something is missing until someone raises their hand and says, hey, this thing is missing. You know, so it was that kind of thing where we launched this magazine and then people started to look at what was going on in the wedding industry and started saying, well, darn, why hasn't this been done before? I totally get it. You know what I'm saying? And there there was a time when we started in 2010, 2011. Um, you just wouldn't see all I mean, you, you've been on Instagram. You see the kind of weddings that are being put out by our brides now and our vendors and they are spectacular. You know, so it was instantly where advertisers got it right away. I mean, one of our first advertisers that we got on board was Macy's and Target, you know, and they knew instantly that this was a niche market and niche markets are very, very profitable. Nice. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, going on to Munaluchi and being able to see women who look like you and say, okay, oh, I can do that hairstyle and, and then see exactly who did the hairstyle so you can reach out or exactly who did the photographer. Like there's just mm-hmm. something about having that coterie stamp, that Munaluchi stamp that is both beneficial to the vendors and the prospective bride and groom. So absolutely. At what stage did you start to reap profit from your business? And what were the first things you invested back into the business? Hmm, Let me see. I would say um, probably, I mean, in the first year, we started seeing some profit. Um, Now it wasn't, you know, the kind of the kind of money I was getting for my job, of course, but it was enough for us to sustain and kind of put that back into the company and everything we were doing was going back into the company from building the website to, you know, launching new platforms to uh, changing print quality for our print magazine. And um, most important to hiring staff because you can't really do, you can't really grow and scale a company if you don't have really, really good people working for you. So so do you guys have a home base office now and staff works out of that office or is there some virtual staff? We have a home base office out of Mount Holly, New Jersey. Is, I mean, Jersey people know that's five on a turnpike. Um, and our staff comes into the office um, to work. And it's a really, you know, a really cute town and a really nice environment and upbeat and fun. You know, it's just we just come in and we get we just get a lot of work done. Yeah. Now this, you know, this is something I just thought of. But I how do you feel about the fact that I feel like not only have you guys reshape the wedding industry because this was a market that was not featured before but then you've also upped the stakes i feel like nowadays people are like trying to do the most to get on yeah <laughs> they, they are they are so you know i i mean i kind of look at it um and I, I look at it this way it's like imagine a forest 
And when you see this forest, there's just like two different types of trees in this forest. But there's so many other trees that aren't represented, you know. And so we came into that forest and we started planting seeds and these trees started growing. And now we have this multicultural movement in the wedding industry, wedding industry, where even the big brands or the brands that have been out there for a long time are also featuring and showcasing these types of weddings. At the same time, <laughs> I mean, you know, brides are going all out these days, as you can see. It's just oh, like, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, my wedding, her wedding got, her picture got 4,000 likes. I've got to updo that, you know. I need to have extra flowers. I need crystals dripping from right. the ceiling. I need my Chandelier. cake suspended upside down. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so that was another thing that came out of it is, you know, the trend setting. And ultimately for, for me, I just look at it this way. It's, it's been able to create a lot of wealth for the vendors that are servicing these weddings, you know, because one, our coterie members are getting recognized and two, they're making more money, you know? And so the thing is, when we started the magazine, it wasn't, like I said, we didn't have a plan. It wasn't about, we're going to launch the mag and we have to make X, Y, Z amount of money. And if we don't, then we're not doing it. It was really about making a positive change in society. And in that, not only are we showcasing the beautiful cultures and traditions in our weddings, but we're giving people an opportunity to do better for themselves to make money for their families and to just to just grow. So that's really the upside of it. Yeah, I think I think it's so smart how you guys have grown and the monetization channels that you've created because how could a vendor not be so excited to pay you even if you raise your rates because exponentially they're benefiting, they're getting this exposure, they're getting this they're getting more business and you know, it's just mutually beneficial. It, it is. And I mean, I I say that you know, like we're, what, in our seventh year? So yeah. we haven't been doing this for a decade even. We haven't been doing it for a decade or two decades. So there's still a lot of things that we as a company have to learn, but we're always open to feedback and we're always open to change, you know, and doing the kind of things that will help our vendors get a return on investment and that'll inspire our brides and grooms. Speaking of the vendor piece, you and... um as part of Munaluchi, like you've started a retreat. When, at what stage did that come in and why did that education piece, that coming together as one, a part of a huge conference piece come about? Oh, every, everything has just been like, you know, like that image I showed you of that, that seed that was planted in the tree that's growing. And now the tree is growing so many different branches. You know, you start off as inspiration for brides and then you realize that the vendors also need to get um, some love and they need to get hired. And then once we started building the platform of the Coterie, we said it would be awesome to have sort of like a family reunion once a year. And so that's how the Coterie Retreat was born. Oh, nice. I've also read your husband say that you guys spend 24 hours today together as husband and wife plus entrepreneurs. How do you balance marriage and business? You, I mean, we, we work together. We talk about work every single hour of the day, except when we're watching movies or some show. Um, our kids come to our office, you know, our kids know what we do. They understand what it is that we're doing. And I mean, for me, it's not easy, first of all, to be married. Okay. Let's be honest to, 
to be in a marriage is not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of work. You learn a lot about yourself, but you have to be able to compromise and to bend um, for that other person. It's no different for us um, working together. We work together. That's what we do. We're also married and we also respect one another. Um, we have our strengths. I'm you know, the creative, I can do the creative things and that type of stuff. And, you know, Chike can go and get these deals and bring those in. And then we bring it together and we strategize like a team, you know? So I think, um, knowing our boundaries has really helped us to succeed as a husband wife duo. That's awesome. You know, hashtag goals. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but it wasn't always like that in the beginning. It, It took it took some work and really um, having to understand as a woman, you know, you know, a Nigerian woman, you know, more born and raised here in America, but married to a Nigerian guy who was born and raised in Nigeria. There are some cultural things in which, OK, I have to be careful how I'm talking, because, of course, me being like an alpha female, I'm sitting up there and I'm like, no, this has to be done this way. I want it like this. But at the same time, I have to step back and say, that's my husband. I got to respect him just the same way he respects me. I have to know our boundaries and we have to know how to work together. So yeah. And I can, learning. It it really did. I can't even lie. Right. (laughs) And I can imagine it could be challenging, um, you know, because when you're in work mode, sometimes you just get overly like, you know, aggressive, like, Hey, this is this, this is that boom, 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 bullet point. And it's like, wait, but this is someone I love and nurture. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. I had to learn that Above all, my family is most important. So no matter what I'm doing with Munaluchi, I mean, they're, the what we're doing with the wedding industry, we're, we're trying to make it more diverse. And there will come a time where this won't be a thing because everything is moving multicultural. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, my family is important. So I always have to put my cap on and think, you know, is it worth it? You know, um, if we're having certain conversations, I might, you know, I have to switch my tone you know, figure out how I want to say it because this is my husband, you know, once again, and we have that respect level and we have those boundaries and we totally understand, you know, what not to cross. So we have a way of getting our point across if we disagree on things, which we do all the time, but we can sit down and have a conversation about it and not be like, um, not talking to each other for a week, you know, (laughs) (laughs) maybe just a day, but not a week. (laughs) And here's another fun one I just thought about. So do you ever, I mean, you are maybe not surrounded by, but you're interacting with bridezillas at some point, right? Or their representatives to be featured. Does that aspect ever get crazy and hectic and make you it reconsider can. life choices? <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes we have brides call the office, you know, like it's that serious. Um, <laughs> I just got married and I tagged you on Instagram and I just wanted to know if you're seeing my tags. And we'll be like, oh. <laughs> we saw them. <laughs> Congratulations, you know. <laughs> Um, maybe we can't feature that because it just, it was an iPhone photo in the dark or, you know, there's always different reasons, but Mm -hmm. it does get very intense. But, you know, the thing is we have to feature the best of the best, you know, Mm -hmm. we can't, um, we can't compromise on our brand and our aesthetic. So, so yes, we do get the bridezillas. We've, I mean, I, I have a story. We had a vendor who, um, one of our coterie members who booked a bride and, the bride said her number one goal 
is for her wedding to be featured in our magazine in print. Wow. Yes. And that was like, that's the conversation we're having. And if we're not having that conversation, then we're not going to even talk further. And so, yeah. And so the planner said, well, I can't guarantee you a feature in their magazine because that's their magazine. They run, you know, that kind of thing. But I can tell you, you know, it needs to look a certain way. (laughs) So if you want to be featured, you might have to increase your budget because you need to do certain things in order to get that kind of wow factor. So we have that happen as well sometimes with our brides. Craziness, craziness. So if you were to look back now, what are some of the things you wish you knew before becoming a full-time entrepreneur? Hmm. Things that I wish I knew. Um, Honestly, coming into it, I am really, really glad that I did not know how publishing worked or how the wedding industry worked. Because if I did, I'd probably be like, you know what, let me go get my MBA, you know, open something up and just do a job because it's a lot of work and it can be very stressful. So I'm actually glad that we came into the, you know, the publication world or the publishing world naive. Um, If I've had to say there's anything I really, really wish I knew more about, I I would probably say it would be, it would be about employees. Yeah. It would be about employees because you go through different stages in business. Then you get to the stage where you're going to start hiring people. And that is a whole different ball game. (laughs) (laughs) Do tell, share a little bit. What have you learned? (laughs) It's a whole different ball game. I mean, we started off with the whole, oh, you know, we're going to make this so much fun and we're going to do all this great stuff and, you know, just being way too, way too lenient. Um, And I think that when you are hiring people, you just have to have, you know, a great level of respect for your staff because your staff is what keeps your company running. But you also have to have structure, you know, because if you don't have structure, like humans run on structure. We need to have a time that we're supposed to be somewhere, what we're supposed to do when we get there, when we take our break, when we go home, you know, like so we have to have structure. So I would say um, learning how to structure things um, in terms of staffing was something that I wish I knew. But you know what? I've, we've learned. Chica and I have learned and we pretty much, um, you know, I think we've got it down at this point. Well, congrats on that. So now we're going to, oh. So now we're going to transition into the lightning round. You basically answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Sure. All righty. Number one, what's an online resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Uh, I would say lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com. I think that we um, are always relying on someone to teach us something and someone to tell us how things should be done. But as business people, you have to be in a position to create things and to dictate how things get done. And I went to Linda and I learned anything that I needed to learn. I would sit down there. I would play the videos. I would practice. Um, It was very, very resourceful for me. I think right now, the newest one is like Skillshare, but Linda was, that was what I was using. So I say lynda.com. All righty. Number two, what's the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year? A uh, business book, I would say is Think and Grow Rich 
by Napoleon Hill. It, um, I mean, you know, I worked in the science background, and one thing that we always had to do with instrumentation is to recalibrate because things just kind of go out of whack naturally. I think humans do as well, and I think that humans have to be recalibrated from time to time. So when I um, started reading this book, it was really, really good for me because it helped me kind of reset my thoughts and, you know, get back into positive thinking. And it's been very helpful. All righty. Number three, who inspires you and why? Uh, who inspires me? My mother. Because my mother is just, I mean, there is nothing you can do to her that will put her down. She can, you know, go from horrible things happening and in the snap of a finger She's in an upbeat mood and she's positive. And I look at her and I say, that's how to live. That's amazing. Um, number four, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? A personal habit that has helped me significantly in my business is I constantly, like, I mean, I guess it's kind of like the first thing I said, I self-educate. So I always take time to learn something new because the world is always changing and you can really never know too much. Like you can never be overeducated. So I'm always self-educating. I always take time to read up on things that are happening, especially as it pertains to technology. I love that. And finally, number five, what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about losing that steady paycheck? Well, I would say to fellow women entrepreneurs is to stop worrying. Um, stop worrying about what people think. Stop worrying about what people say. Because the bigger you get in business, the more haters you are going to have. That's just a part of life. Um, but you can't keep worrying about those people. You have to have, like, you know, laser vision and you have to be focused and you have to be confident. Sometimes confidence is not natural for people, but. I do believe that the things that you tell yourself and the things that you say to yourself will be reflected in your life. So, I mean, I'll give you an example. There, I ran track when I was in high school and there'd be times when you'd be extremely, extremely tired. But mentally I'd say, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. Keep on going. One more mile, you know? Sometimes you got to psych yourself up like that. Like even if you think things aren't going well, just tell yourself it's, it's all right. It's going well and stop worrying about what other people think. I, I personally needed that one um, more than you could ever know. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much. So what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode? You can connect with me on um, the Munaluchi website. That's www.munaluchibridal.com. Um, you can follow our Instagram account. It's at Munaluchi Bride. My Instagram account is at Jackie. Wobu, J-A-C-K-I-E-N-W-O-B-U. And you can find us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Minoluchi Bridal. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today, Jackie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All righty. And there you have it. Hey, guys. 
Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.